Welcome back to a not particularly spooky but extremely Halloweeny edition of A Movie and an Argument with Alyssa and Swin. I'm Alyssa Rosenberg, the culture vlogger at Think Progress and a columnist at Slate and the Atlantic. And I'm here today as every day with... Aswin Subsang, but please call me Swin. I'm the interactive writing fellow at Mother Jones Magazine's DC Bureau, and I'm also their movie guy. Alyssa, as always, it's a pleasure to have you here at uh, Mojo's DC Studio. Uh, by a studio, we mean the half of the conference room that you and I have completely taken over. But studio does. It's sound a studio. Better. It's a studio. We we have a lamp and empty boxes and everything. That's true. And microphone. It's true. We don't have a soundboard though. We might have to work on that. Um, and we got a MacBook. It's true. We have a MacBook. We are your sophisticated modern podcasters. Um, went to see Flight, right? Which is Denzel yes. Washington flies a plane upside down drunk and then gets investigated for it for two and a half hours. Wow. That's the movie. How long it's a is the plane upside movie. down? Two hours and 29 minutes, and there's a minute of credits. Really? No. That's it's... awesome. <laughs> I would totally see that movie. Yeah, I, I would watch the hell out of that. But unfortunately, no. The movie turned out to be a little bit less awesome than that, which is still really awesome. Have you seen it yet? Not yet. I think I'm going okay. tomorrow. I highly recommend it. It's uh, directed by Robert Zemeckis, who did uh, Forrest Gump. Castaway. Polar Express. Polar Express, absolutely. Um, Didn't he do Beowulf too? I think he did. He did. He absolutely did. Wow, that seems like Angelina Jolie is teaching a sex monster. <laughs> oh, I gotta rewatch that just for the lols. Well, anyway, um, it's a fantastic movie. Maybe, uh, probably one of my top five, definitely in my top ten so far movies of this year. Oscar bait that's actually worth it uh, for Robert Zemeckis. Robert Zemeckis, it's probably the grittiest movie he's ever done. He's not really known for mm. doing movies with, like, the lead character snorting blow and being unsympathetic for a long stretch or long stretches of the movie and, you know, nudity and stuff like that. These are superficial things, but it does get at the core that this is a gritty character study mm. where uh, Denzel Washington, as you mentioned, he's kind of like a hard-partying, debauchy, alcoholic, drug-doing commercial airliner pilot who uh has a son he never sees uh divorced from his beautiful wife who um we can only imagine why he couldn't keep it together i mean he's abuses drugs and alcohol uh, like heavily so um you do the math um and one morning when he's fl flying a plane uh it suddenly starts to nosedive and he saves almost everybody on board by Inverting the plane, basically flying upside down for a stretch. I'm not ruining anything because it's in the trailer, right. but it's one of the first scenes in the movie, and it's an epically intense, beautifully shot, claustrophobically staged sequence that uh, Robert Zemeckis, look, he has experience with crashing planes in movies. He did it in Castaway, yeah. but this it's one of the scenes of the year. Like There's such visceral poetry to it. And that's not even when the fun begins in the movie. The fun begins after they get him out, and he's sort of deified in the media as this hero. So he's and, Sully Sullenberger? Yes. And then it slowly starts to get out that you had alcohol and drugs in your system when you were piloting. And since there are some people who are dead, like six people as opposed to, say, like 110 people or whatever, if somebody else had been flying the plane, is like the working theory in this movie. Uh, still, somebody has to take responsibility. So it's a very tense journey from learning that to his testimony before, like, a federal agency 
that makes up this movie where he gets in a relationship with this um, reformed heroin addict. And it's just a beautiful, at times, gut-wrenching film with wonderful dialogue. And I really want to see it again to see if it holds up to how much I'm gushing about now. But I absolutely loved it. And I'm sorry right now you haven't seen it, so you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Well, we can check back in next week. Um, Then there's the really big news of this week, which is that Disney spent $4.05 billion on buying Lucasfilm and is going to release a new Star Wars movie uh, Mm -hmm. in 2015. And I don't know about you, but I am freaking out. Um, This apparently came as a surprise to some of the people who read my blog, but I am a gigantic Star Wars nerd. You're talking to someone who can spell Yuzen Vong without having to look it up on Wikipedia. Um, Someone who owns all four Rogue Squadron novels by Michael A. Stackpole in print. Um... And so this is like my Christmas and New Year's come early. I think it's, I mean, if only because this is a franchise that people were going to continue to make money off of and it has been rescued from George Lucas and I am so relieved. Well, you really have that high hopes for it? I mean, Do you think the thing is, you know, I have hopes that it will not suck. Um, I think Disney did an incredible job giving the folks at Marvel space and sort of creative direction to build out their existing products into probably the most viable and in certain ways, the most sort of exciting action franchise happening right now. Um, And they made an enormous amount of money doing it. And if what they can do is insist that star Wars have a lot of sort of integrity, but also that it be creative and exciting and weird, that could be that could make for some really exciting movie making. What are some ways in which you think the series could be salvaged? Because it, it, it's not going to start being completely animated with like musical sequences with lions atop hills or anything. Right. I mean, I think that you have what the franchise has to do is start looking at this as a world to tell stories in, as opposed to a tool to t- to tell the story of Darth Vader, mm-hmm. um, which was sort of the problem with the prequels is that you end up having to tell this origin story for a character where to a certain extent, it's better that he stay a little bit mysterious. Um, and so I think the thing to do, I mean, I outlined a couple of possibilities for what they could do in a blog post yesterday. Um, and these ideas all come you know, sort of from the expanded universe novels, which are, you know, I think rich territory for Disney to adapt and would also be a way of sort of juicing the related intellectual properties that are part of Lucasfilm and potentially making a lot of money. Um, uh, I mean, there is this sort of seminal trilogy called Heir to the Empire um, that starts about sort of five years after the events of Return of the Jedi, where an ambitious... um, Imperial Admiral decides to come back and go after the New Republic, and you've got sort of a whole storyline around that. It's the same characters, which you'd probably have to recast at this point, because God knows Mark Hamill has not aged particularly well, and uh, that would be a little bit of an adventure. Then you could could tell a story about a totally unrelated set of characters. Um, Stackpole's Rogue Squadron books, for example, would be a really good example of that. It's, you know, it's fighter jocks, which was one of the things that was appealing about the original series. But it's fighter jocks was sort of a commando mission. So you could pull in characters and aliens from a different bunch of different planets, uh, sort of have each, you know, have them fight one big adversary over three movies or something. 
Um, but you could just tell sort of a different story set in the world that makes better use of the world than Jar Jar Binks and related horrible racist nonsense. Um, and then third, you could keep some of the core dynamics. You know, Jedi Knights are important. Um, there's you know dark side, light side to the forts, etc. And just jump forward and tell stories about the next generation of Skywalkers and Solos. Um, there is, you know, um, there's a series called Legacy of the Force that involves, you know, Han and Leia's kids and Luke Skywalker and Mara Jade's kids. And, you know, that has some of the same core familiar dynamics, mm-hmm. but with very different characters. You could avoid recasting. You could have the old actors make cameos. You know, it, that to me seems like in some ways both the most conservative and the most viable way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I think that you really need to put women front and center because female characters have always been just a great part of the Star Wars universe in both the movies and in the expanded universe. And that's just a big core advantage, I think, that Star Wars has over some of the other emerging franchises where there aren't female characters with the same kind of followings that the Star Wars, you know, EU characters have. Um... So you could make a franchise that's both revitalized and substantially feminist in a way that a lot of other sort of action sci-fi franchises aren't right now. As someone who knows, shall I say, infinitely less than you do about the Star Wars universe and mythology, um, I just got to say a lot of that sounds like great ideas, but I think I'm coming from the um, perspective of, I think, most people who don't know as much. And all they know is, like, the latest slew of, like, Star Wars movies that ruined like childhood memories to them that Lucas made so and unfortunately they don't have an Alyssa Rosenberg who they meet up with at least once a week to tell them about all the possibilities so my immediate reaction to it I think what is still lingering with me is what I have a sense that a lot of other people felt which is um, even though Lucas has been jettisoned and thank goodness for that they I still see the problem as just trying to make more Star Wars movies. And it's like, whether Lucas was involved or not, of course he was. Studios mess this up. They just want to make more money. Why should I put my faith in them that they will try the money-making machines they are, trying to make any of the wise, intelligent, feminist, and or feminist ideas you just pitched into movies? I feel like Disney, for the most part, I mean... Even the disappointments. Like, I didn't think John Carter was a good movie, but I thought it was visually interesting. It was trying for new source material. I mean, I think everything, all of Disney's big corporate moves over the last decade or so have actually been really ambitious and encouraging to me. I mean, something like buying Pixar, which, you know, it's just an unbelievable, brilliant power for good in our current pop culture atmosphere. You know, the fact that they finally cracked a way to make comic book movies function like comics and these big open-ended franchises that keep getting bigger and weirder and more exciting. You know, I just, maybe I have more trust in Disney than I should, but I kind of do right now. And They also made Pulp Fiction in the 90s. That's true. So... You know, who res- knows if that'll filter in points. or not? Um, <laughs> yeah, John Travolta will show up as a Jedi elder um, with a really bad haircut and really big guns. Yeah, moderately sized and but side- powerful guns and sideburns. <laughs> Definitely uh- the sideburns. Um, you know, I mean, God, the franchise already has Samuel L. Jackson, so that is true. Clearly. Who who would be your dream uh, 
director for the reboot it really depends on the storyline i'm super bored by the idea that joss whedon should just direct everything which is the easy default yeah exactly these it's, days um it's like in the 70s saying you got a mob movie where's francis ford coppola exactly um you know i think it depends if you did one of the alien heavy storylines i'd really like to see neil blomkamp or guillermo del toro but who are both very good at sort of monster fabrication and then at these sort of kinds of storytelling and what it means for humans and aliens to sort of rub up against each other. Uh, if you tell a story about one of the seminal women in the Star Wars universe, um, you know, if you tell the story about Mara Jade, who is this former aide to Emperor Palpatine, who is redeemed and becomes a Jedi, I'd love to see Patty Jenkins, who was supposed to direct Thor 2, um, who directed Monster, which is, you know, it's hard for me to say that Monster is one of my favorite movies the last 10 years or so because it's so hard to watch. What would Charlie say? Charlie Lee Theron is Eileen Woronos, this lesbian serial killer. You know, as a movie about sort of a woman in crisis and women and like women committing violence, um, I mean, I think she'd be incredible for Mara Jade. Um, if you're going to do a sort of men reckoning with war story, because after all, these are Star Wars movies. They are movies about war on a very fundamental level. I mean, I'd love to see Catherine Bigelow jump in there and, you know, tell a story about Corrin Horn, this pilot. You know, I mean, they're just, um, I think people, you know, I think that Marvel has been smart enough to think outside of the box. I mean, we have a world where Shane Black is directing an Iron Man movie, where mm. Alan Taylor is doing a Thor movie, where guys from Community are doing a Captain America movie. Ah. Um, you know, I think good stuff. being creative would be great, and I would love to see some women in the mix. The fact that the only names that are coming up in this conversation are, like, middle-aged white dude gods just makes me want to jump off a bridge. Wes Anderson's Star Wars, Episode 7. Oh, now I'm trying to think, because you know well, what? I bet I could totally come up with... I'm Moonrise to... Kingdom even sounds like a Star Wars installment. <laughs> I'm trying to think of which Star Wars story could be most productively adapted by Wes Anderson. Maybe if he did like Tales of the Most Icely Cantina and was like, I have followed the band around. I have no idea what you're talking about. Do any of our listeners, please tell me what the Cantina story is. The Cantina is the bar. No, I mean the story. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. no. there's There's a series of like short stories about people who are in the Cantina. Mm-hmm. when um, Luke and Obi-Wan show up there. Um, there's also Tales from Jabba's Palace, Tales of the Bounty Hunters. Uh, Tales of the Bounty Hunters is actually quite good and would be promising. Um, Wait, but Did you grow up reading these Star Wars short stories? Oh, hell yeah. Okay, um, I, I just got... I've, so there's no way I can ever catch up to you, even if just as an academic pursuit. You could try. I would be <sighs> amused to see you try. There's a lot of battleship fan fiction I gotta write, so I, I think I'll be occupied for a while. Well, we'll you handle battleship, <laughs> I'll handle Star Wars. Between us, we've got it covered, as always, on a movie and an argument with Alyssa and Swin. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a good one.